With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SubChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. We are in the middle of China's annual Liaohui, otherwise known as the Two Sessions or the Two Meetings, the country's largest political gathering of the NPC, that's the National People's Congress, and the CPPCC, the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. Trying to give you the best overview of all the business news, separating the signal from the noise, here is everything you need to know that has been happening in China this week. China has set a target for annual economic growth above 6% for 2021 as the country continues its economic recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. The target was announced by Premier Li Keqiang at the start of the annual meeting of the National People's Congress in Beijing last Friday. The goal that Li announced in the government work report to China's top legislature is actually below market estimates for full-year GDP growth, which range from 8% to 10%, and it reiterates top leaders' emphasis on quality growth over quick growth. China is pushing for an international COVID-19 vaccine recognition system. The country plans to issue electronic health certificates and implement mutual recognition of other countries' COVID-19 tests and vaccinations, the foreign minister Wang Yi said Sunday. Beijing will also help set up regional inoculation stations in other countries to help overseas Chinese nationals obtain coronavirus shots. The moves indicate that China may loosen some of its stringent travel restrictions for people who can prove they are either immune to the virus or have not been infected with it. China has formally ratified the 15-country Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or RCEP, Free Trade Agreement in the Asia-Pacific region, Minister of Commerce Wang Wentao said Monday. In mid-November, a total of 15 Asia-Pacific countries, including China, Japan, South Korea, New Zealand, Australia, and 10 members of ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, signed the world's largest regional free trade agreement, covering nearly a third of the world's population and GDP. India, an original negotiating party of the partnership, withdrew from the pact last year. New figures show China's exports surged in the first two months of the year, 
reflecting strong global demand for manufactured goods and with the relative growth numbers partly skewed by the low base in 2020 when the economy was in lockdown, according to Bloomberg. Exports jumped 60.6% in dollar terms in the January-February period from a year earlier. Data from the General Administration of Customs showed Sunday well above the 40% median estimate in a Bloomberg survey of economists. In February alone, exports more than doubled from last year. China's social insurance funds reported the first annual deficit on record last year after authorities cut corporate contributions to help companies offset the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic, according to a new government budget report. The fund's combined revenues fell 13.3% in 2020, while expenditures rose 5.5%. The shortfall highlights the costs of one aspect of China's COVID-19 relief effort last year, as the country's social insurance system took a financial blow at a time when experts were already worried about its long-term sustainability. Could short video app TikTok owner ByteDance be developing its own version of the popular audio chat app Clubhouse? If so, the company would be joining a long line of Chinese firms which have rolled out similar services since Clubhouse was blocked in China in early February, Reuters reported on Thursday, citing unnamed sources. Discussions about TikTok and ByteDance on Clubhouse, a U.S. invitation-only app allowing users to set up ad hoc groups to chat on topics in real time, has prompted interest in the genre from ByteDance executives, including CEO Zhang Yiming, but related plans are still in their early stages, according to unnamed sources, who declined to provide any details about possible launch dates. Meanwhile, ByteDance failed to respond to Caixin's request for comment. And finally, an airliner captain and chief flight attendant have been fired after a mid-air scuffle broke out. The fight broke out on a Dunghai Airlines flight after a passenger was spotted in the corridor outside a bathroom used by the cabin staff, potentially jeopardizing flight safety, people in the industry told Caixin. The captain blamed the head flight attendant for not clearing his way to the bathroom and accused him of neglecting his duties. This is not the first time that rule violations by Dunghai Airlines staff have come to light. In 2018, one of its pilots was suspended for six months and fined $1,848 for allowing his wife onto a flight without a ticket and inviting her into the cabin. Let's turn now to Caixin Global Managing Editor Doug Young for a look at a story that he's deep into this week. Something about a Wuhan-based chipmaker, if I'm not mistaken, Doug? Yeah, uh, maybe it doesn't sound the, the sexiest, but it certainly involves a big amount of money. Uh, we're talking about a company here that was was at least touted to be, it was going to be a 20 billion US dollar chip plant in the city of Wuhan, which is... Uh, the capital of Hubei province in central China. A lot of people probably know it because that's where the virus was first reported. Um, but anyhow, we're not talking virus today. We're talking chips. And the company that we want to talk about is called Hongxin Semiconductor. Uh, and this is a company, actually, I people want to know more about this. Uh, Caixin has really been on the top of this story. Um, it was a company that just had huge dreams, obviously $20 billion worth of dreams, had all sorts of partners lined up. It had the backing of the Wuhan government. Um, and it had a, a couple of 
sort of founders who I think in retrospect were probably a little shady. Uh, but they also did manage to poach a, a really top flight, uh, what do you call it, a CEO to, to head the whole operation, a Taiwanese guy. So they, they had everything, at least on paper, going for them. And now the company is sort of just finally, or the city of Wuhan really is just thrown in the towel on this project. Uh, we have a great story this past week about just uh, one of our reporters actually traveled down to Wuhan to, to visit the factory. And it's, it's, you know, it's just become a ghost town. Um, there's all kinds of workers sort of milling around, I guess, who are telling us about their severance. They gave everybody one month severance. Uh, there's a bunch of half-finished buildings there, a bunch of cranes, uh, you know, sitting idle. It's 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 quite an interesting read. Um, but, you know, basically the bottom line is the government's thrown in the towel on this. As much as a year ago, uh, they knew things were sort of going south because the funding just sort of dried up. And, you know, this thing has just turned into a real embarrassment and a, a huge white elephant in the middle of China. Okay, Doug, but I sense there's a bigger story behind all of this. The bigger story here is it's all about China's tech aspirations. And, and more recently, this this whole U.S.-China tech war um, China produces a lot of the world's electronics and gadgets, uh, but it doesn't actually make a lot of the higher tech components that go into these gadgets. It imports most of those. And uh, the highest tech among those is is these microchips that, that obviously require super precision uh, equipment. You know, uh, these machines used to stamp out these chips cost like hundreds of millions of dollars each. I mean, that's more than a, a few Boeing aircraft, I think. Uh, so the, anyhow, these are very high-tech uh, high tech components. China doesn't know how to make them. They want to know how to make them, and, and that's all been driven home all the more by sanctions by the U.S. on Huawei, you know, to cut off its chips, which are is going to kill Huawei's cell phone business. Um so that's the bigger picture, and and this factory was really going to be a cutting edge player, you know, that could show China's self sufficiency in high tech chips. And uh, guess what? <laughs> it looks like this uh, particular factory, you know, is just not happening. Obviously, and and you know, it's a it's a pretty big blow for uh, China's chip aspirations. So, Doug, do you think this is just the first of many? I mean, China is hell-bent on achieving self-sufficiency in many facets of technology, but nothing's more important, of course, than advanced semiconductors. And I doubt that this stumble is going to dissuade Beijing entirely, right? So there's going to be more, yeah? Yeah, well, that's the big question. I mean, uh, you know, this factory was supposed to be a $20 billion factory. The fact of the matter is, I, I imagine less than a billion dollars actually got pumped into it before the rug got pulled out from under it. Um, but the bottom line is, China is just famous for throwing money at, at you know priority development areas. You know, new energy cars, electric cars is is another great example. You just saw all these terrible cars being pumped out because state-owned investment funds and state-owned companies were just all producing them because the government said this is a priority and they were making all sorts of money available. So there's really no reason to believe the chip sector is going to be any different. Uh, China's, you know, just making huge amounts of money uh, available to the, you know, to anybody and their mother who wants to start a chip company. 
Uh, we've seen another big company uh, called uh, Tsinghua Unigroup, which is also just tottering on the brink of insolvency. And they're another company that just has you know borrowed billions of dollars to try and build up chip stuff, chip facets. And uh, I think they've defaulted on some bonds. So they could be the next one to sort of fall or, you know, experience some big difficulties. Uh, so no, I don't think the story is over. And perhaps it's only just beginning. Well, thanks, Doug. And we look forward to having you back on the show again. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Andini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Hear stories from Caixin Global, SubChina, and many other China-focused outlets on the new China Stories podcast from SubChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care.